0: Welcome to Relaunch, the GCC Podcast. I'm your host, Marty Duran, Director of Communications at the Great Commission Collective. We're a global network of churches joined together to plant churches and strengthen leaders. Joining me is the President of the Great Commission Collective, Dave Harvey, to begin a multi-episode conversation about relaunching vision and mission in a pandemic time. On this episode of Relaunch, we're going to be talking about reopening churches after the pandemic. It's interesting because everyone seems to be in a different place. Some churches have reopened uh, already, and some are wondering when they're going to get to reopen. And as of the last couple of weeks, some churches that thought it might be a while are suddenly in the, uh, have the opportunity to reopen in a hurry. So we're going to be talk- talking to two GCC pastors for the next few minutes, uh, one of whose church has opened already, and the other is one who got the word that they'd be able to reopen sooner than they thought. So we're going to hear about those stories as well as some of the plans uh, and strategies that they put in place, some of the processes they went through, and I hope that this is an encouragement to you. Well, thanks everyone for joining another episode of Relaunch. I'm your host today, Marty Duran, and it's my pleasure to welcome a couple of GCC pastors. We're going to be talking about reopening your church Uh, at the end of the pandemic situation and so there's a lot of uh, differences depending upon where you live depending upon where you meet uh, even and uh, so we want to get some input from a couple of guys have been leading well in this Uh, first of which is rob willie from the cornfields of iowa rob how's it going
1: it's going great something like that thanks marty good to be with you um my name is rob willie i'm the senior pastor of corumdale bible church in davenport iowa uh, we've been here a little over 15 years now. Um, I'm married to my wife, Becky, I have three, uh, young adult daughters, two of whom are married, one of which is getting married. So, uh, life continues to be uh, quite an adventure for us. That's awesome. And also, uh, Ryan Hall, right? I,
0: I've neglected to ask you where you are. So please include that as you are uh, telling everyone a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, we are in the southwest suburbs of Chicago. I'm the senior pastor of Anchor Church Palis, and I've, I was born and raised in the southwest suburbs. I actually uh, was assigned to plant this church in my hometown. Back in 2009, so we celebrated our 10th anniversary just a little while ago. And my wife also grew up in the Payless area, uh, so we're we're both native to this area. Uh, we've been married. It's going to be our 20th anniversary this summer, and I I really am wondering how I plan something oh, during, man. during the pandemic to celebrate 20. But we have three kids, three teenagers. That's also been an adventure raising three teenagers uh, during COVID. And our oldest is about to go off to school. Uh, She's excited to go down to Union. Um, And so, yeah. Oh, Coming down our way.
0: Excellent. Sounds like you live in like Hotel California. Once you go there, nobody can ever leave. Uh (laughs) Um, So thanks, guys, for for joining today so we can talk about this a little bit. Rob, I want to start with you because uh, I think you were among some of the early, uh, early openers. Kind of walk us through the process uh what some of the regulations were maybe locally versus state if there were any difference how you worked and prayed through those uh start as far back as you want to in that process to get us to to up to date to where you started uh with your your services
1: sure well i think i would start back in uh, march for all of us when all of this uh kind of came uh crashing down on us and uh, i thought within the first week or two that um wasn't going to be long before we reopened, and that our reopening <laughs> was going to be like uh, Easter. I mean, yeah. it, it was just going to be a bash, <laughs> confetti, and I was planning for it all. I, I had a I had a title for a message. It was going to be homecoming, a little taste of heaven. I mean, you name it. Oh um, man! But as the weeks went by, it became obvious that that wasn't going to be the case. Yeah. Um. And so we just began, uh, just like everybody else, uh, trying to glean as much information as we possibly could, short amount of time. And uh, of course, all of that information would change from time to time. Uh, we uh, listened closely to our government leaders and healthcare professionals, um, instead of assuming that we knew better. Mm-hmm. Thankful for our our leaders here in Iowa in that respect. Um, and we also uh, tried to make sure we had good connections with our state leaders as well. Um, we're one of the larger churches in Iowa, and uh, we didn't want to go contrary to what mm-hmm. they were thinking and, and saying and so on. So uh, that turned out to be a really uh, good relationship. Um, but, uh, yeah, e- eventually we got to the end of April and uh, just made a decision that we thought, hey, we're probably going to remain closed through May. And then first weekend of June, we would open back up. And as it turns out, uh, we opened last weekend, the last weekend of May.
0: Okay. Excellent. Um, Ryan, you're you're in a different state, um, not, not too far from Iowa. How far are you from Iowa?
2: Good question. Rob, how long is the
1: trip between Chicago and Davenport? Well, between you and I, it would probably be about two hours and 15 minutes.
0: Yeah. Is that, is that fast driving or straight driving? That's just Whoa. straight
1: driving. Uh, speaking <laughs> yeah. of cornfield, just all across the cornfields of Illinois. So, it's right on the Mississippi River. So I'm literally two miles from the Illinois border. Okay.
0: That's fantastic. Well, Ryan, you were in a state with a, a little bit of a different approach to um, the shutting down stuff. And it seemed like at one point you guys were going to be like really shut down for a while. Um, can you go back and Talk about how you were processing it, how your leadership were processing all these facts and uh, what you thought you were going to be facing up until a week or so ago.
2: Yeah, early on, I think it was for sure uh, a very rapidly escalating problem. I don't think anybody saw the scale. Uh, I don't think anybody predicted how how greatly this would transform society. Uh, And we had just got done with a college visit down to Union um, in Jackson, Tennessee, and we were coming back up while all of this was uh, taking shape. So we got back and then had our last service and then shut things down for the time being. Um, so then, yeah, like Rob said, we were all figuring out how, how serious is this virus? How fast are things changing? Uh, suddenly, our kids are all home from school and we're My wife and I both work at the church. She's our women's and children's ministry director. So we're trying to balance um, keeping the church going, reinventing how how we make disciples, uh, while we're figuring out the home situation also. Mm -hmm. So it was just disorienting. We were disoriented. And so then we got those things all squared away. And then we started longing to return. When can we go back to church? When will the kids go back to school? And then the days stretched out to weeks to months. And in Illinois, um, the restrictions were kind of known for being uh, greater than in all other places. Um, So, in Illinois and near Chicago, we were wrestling to, we were wrestling with a response to the government because everyone got to the point where we agreed that this was, uh, that the virus needed to be taken seriously. It was the number one cause of death in the country for six weeks, I think. Mm. Uh, So yes, wow, it delivered. We have to respect it. Um, But then we started looking at how other states were planning to reopen, and we realized that uh, our state was different. So up until last week, the restrictions were going to be, uh, even when we reached Phase 3 in Illinois, only groups of 10 or less were allowed. And then when we reached Phase 4, only groups of 50 or less were allowed, and then that would have been where we were stuck indefinitely. The governor said until there's a cure or the virus goes away, that's life so the faith leaders in chicago began to talk and say that's just not acceptable we can't uh we just can't uh accept that we will not be able to open church back up period uh we felt like that was heading down a road that was um filled with legal problems so churches were forced to respond to that plan differently some churches hit it head-on and the romanian pentecostal churches in chicago went to court Um, And I have a lot of Romanian friends. We've partnered with churches in Romania. We have many Romanian pastors in our fellowship. So um, it was very interesting to see how uh, Romanians are very good at spirited debates with um, officials and governments. So they went to court. (laughs) They took the head-on approach. And, I mean, they climbed up to the Supreme Court in no time. It just took a few weeks. And um, it was warranted because in these churches in Chicago, uh, the mayor was towing cars on the streets of these churches, not only churchgoers, but people of the public. They, they would wake up and their cars were towed. Police squad cars were blocking parking lots into churches. Uh, police were knocking loudly on some church doors, were demanding to be let in. So it was very real. The mayor also was um, threatening fines, not only on the churches, but on the pastors and leaders personally. And the fines wow. were not just like a, like a fee, like here's your ticket. But um, she was moving to say that the, the fines would also include paying for the social services that were like the police and the fire. Anybody who comes out there, they were going to charge the churches for those services. So wow. it's like really hardball, like, and not budging at all. So things rose all the way up to the Supreme Court. And then last Thursday, <laughs> Justice Kavanaugh said to uh, Governor Pritzker, Uh, You have until tomorrow to respond to this um, complaint from the Romanian church." And then the faith leaders in Chicago, hundreds, I think over 200 signatures, uh, gave the governor a letter on um, Thursday morning or Wednesday morning. And then by Thursday, at like Thursday afternoon, the governor finally caved and said, okay. And then the pendulum swung. Then he said, there are now no restrictions placed on church gatherings in Illinois. There are only guidelines. So we went from having like this frightening future scenario playing out to now, Mm -hmm. technically, we have no restrictions, (laughs) only guidelines.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how that's kind of how it played out in Tennessee. As far as the guidelines part, they sent a um, they put together an email, I guess, as a PDF. Um, And and there were these strong recommendations, but that's all they were were recommendations. Then they acted as if they, uh, you know, they weren't going to move on anyone who decided not to do that. Now, Rob, your situation, you, did you ever have any restrictions at all where you guys lived or was it just from the national level?
1: No, we had restrictions uh, for sure. Um, uh, but I think it was within, a oh man, I, I want to say three or four weeks that our governor, maybe maybe four or five weeks, our governor came out and, and said, Listen, you have a constitutional right to, to gather, but uh, we would urge you and we do urge you to use the utmost caution, social distancing, et cetera, et cetera. So they put out quite a few guidelines for us um, that they uh, suggested strongly that way. But uh, again, they didn't do it in an adversarial manner. Mm-hmm. Um, they did it very responsibly, honorably, um, uh, You know, just showing the, the utmost deference to churches. Um, So super thankful for our governor in that respect. And it worked out very well from what I've been able to um, glean from churches across the state. People have have, uh, responded well. They've honored those uh, guidelines and, and things are going pretty well.
0: So what were some of the specific steps that you took um, once you determined, okay, uh, the last week of May is going to be our reopening date, what were some of the specific steps that you took to prepare uh, both in personal preparation, staff preparation, meeting preparation, and communications type stuff so that your folks would be ready to return?
1: Yeah, I would say uh, the first thing that uh, I did was just wrestle with how I... Should communicate with our church and when, and then, of course, with what. Um, and, and those things weren't readily apparent uh, in the middle of all this. You know, it took a bit to pull all the information together, different sources, tailor it to our situation, et cetera. Um, and I can go into those details if you want, but it took a bit to get that together. And then um, just kind of waiting on the Lord as to w- what timing that would be. And those things came together. I don't think that would be a surprise that when the content came together, then the when uh, quickly followed. I, I got on a video basically that we ended up putting out on our website and through Facebook and other social media avenues. And um, I went through uh, 20 minutes of just nitty gritty nuts and bolts in the weeds details as to what this would all look like. Uh, I started out by saying, um, I have three words here to manage your expectations. It's going to be awkward, inconvenient, and impersonal. And gosh,
2: if you'd said that as
1: a pastor, I was going to utter those words about gathering in the church in the service, I would have thought you were nuts. But I, I thought it was important to manage people's expectations because it wasn't going to be business as usual that's for yeah. sure uh, and so uh, that was late April that I did that uh, I didn't think that anybody would watch that video and apparently um, it was uh, well watched thankful for that um, and then we you know followed it up with other communication uh, quite a bit to just reinforce all the different things and so that's uh, that's at least from a higher level view what we did. Good. Uh, Ryan, when you were in the uh,
0: in the phase to where you didn't think you would be reopening for a while, how were you trying to actively, and I'll uh, use Rob's phrase here, how were you actively trying to manage people's expectations, their frustrations, um, their desires? Uh, what was it like during that period where you thought, boy, this could be a
2: while? Yeah, well, privately with our leader team, our elders and our deacons, we had a lot of conversations about it. Uh, our goal was to figure out how we could open, and there were three words. We want to open uh, safe, and we want to open wise, and we want to open lawfully. So mm-hmm. safely, wisely, and lawfully. We spent a lot of time talking about the lawful question, and we actually determined that we were going to aim to reopen um, by by July, like in early July, even if that reflected polite disagreement with the governor's um, orders. Uh, we would still be safe, we would still be wise, but we were heading toward that, just a polite, silent reopening, uh, based on our conversations with our attorney. Um, so then things changed and now we don't have to worry about that. And thank God we don't have to worry about a possible legal issue on a Sunday morning. In addition to what Rob said, it's awkward, inconvenient, impersonal. Oh, and by the way, the police are going to show up soon. (laughs) So, uh, we're, we're trying to do a good job of, um, showing spiritual leadership to our congregation by working together. So I'm trying to pace myself with my elders and my deacons. Um, Some of them are hitting the gas. Some of them are hitting the brakes and I'm just trying not to resent that or take it personally. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm reminding myself that this is my first pandemic and this is also my elders first pandemic, but, uh, Mm -hmm. But it's not Christ's first pandemic. He's been there, he's done that. So I'm just trying to posture ourselves to keep our eyes on Christ and to maintain the the unity of the Spirit. So we're also communicating with the congregation and uh, intentionally being humble and we're listening. So we sent out a survey on SurveyMonkey. Yeah, it's a great tool. We filled out, we sent out this big survey and got uh, 250 people who responded back. And uh, it was awesome. We learned a lot. About our congregation, their expectations, their convictions, uh, their feelings, and so all of that informed us as we were making this plan uh, to to relaunch.
0: Very cool, Rob. What would you um, what would you say to, uh, um, to any pastor who's dealing with the issue of um, whether it's a member of their elder board or uh, another leader in the church? but they're really, really aggressive about um, either wanting to open quickly or not taking seriously some of the things to be concerned about. Uh, and they're, they're really pushing hard. Um, what are some words that you'd say to a guy that finds himself in that situation?
1: Um, I think um, one of the things I would say is strive for unity. Um, don't, don't move ahead without it. I think that's really key on any issue in the church. Um, sometimes it's impossible if someone digs their heels in, but, um, we've not found that to be the case here. So strive for that unity, um, talk openly about it, reason together, etc. cetera. Second thing I would say is, um, um, I, I, I'm certainly of a mind that there. Um, is a time and could be a time for civil disobedience. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that we should, for testimony's sake, uh, outside of the church and, for example's sake, inside the church, I think that we should avoid that as, as, as much as possible, uh, last mm-hmm. resort. Um, I, I'm thankful that we didn't have to uh, deal with those uh, issues here. Um and so I would really try to go back to some of the scriptures, like be subject to your governing authorities, um, and and try to wait on the Lord. Waiting uh, mm-hmm. seems to be God's greatest catalyst for His greatest work in the scriptures, and we find you know uh, testimony to that uh, all over the place. Isaiah sixty four four, you know, who has a God like ours who acts on behalf of those who wait for Him,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and 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 every it's just all over. So. I would try to emphasize those things with somebody who wants to run ahead and 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 just buck the governing authorities. Um, I would try to work with maybe the third thing I would say would be work with the governing authorities, try to sit down and have a, a conversation with them. Uh, we had several phone calls um, with the uh, leaders of our state uh, ahead of our uh, announcement and so on, just to make sure that we were on the same page and, and so yeah. on. So. As much as possible, that's what I would say. Ryan, um,
0: talk to the guys who are still in the situation that you thought you were in uh, as a week and a half ago, thought you were going to stay in, um, who either uh, don't have a, a firm date or even a projected date for reopening and regathering as a, as a large group, or they're potentially in a situation where their meeting place is going away. So they've been in a school or some other public building that's under a different uh, type of restriction than a private building would be owned by uh, a church. Um, what would you say to those guys?
2: Well, there's multiple issues there. And yeah, we had those great calls a few weeks ago. <clears throat> and I led a prayer group with a bunch of guys. And some of them had that very problem. They want to go back. Their people want to continue meeting. But the place where they rent is just not willing to do that. And I would for sure give an amen to what Rob says. Uh, this is not the time. For Christians to automatically have this rise-up reflex and say, you know, we know our rights and you can't tell us we're not going to meet. Uh, overall, we're trying to convey a respect for authority. I think, I think this is actually a time when government authorities, while they're not handling this perfectly, are protecting life. I love it. I love that they're protecting life. I love that they're protecting life that's fragile, people with pre-existing yeah. conditions, people who are older. I, I'm like giving that all a huge amen. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. So... Um, I think that if you're in a state where you feel like the restrictions placed on churches are either unclear or they're not fair, they're not comparable to other uh, to other businesses or venues, I would just say that Chicago is a success story of saying, look, other states and other organizations are saying, give us 25%, give us 30%, we'll take it. Uh, in California, there's a different situation there because I think the governor said you can have 100 people or 25% and Frankly, we would have taken that. If the governor offered that, we would have said, okay, we can work yeah. with that. So the challenge there is actually we don't, we don't, you know, the churches, some who challenge that are saying that's, that still is too restrictive. Well, now you're in a different ballpark because mm-hmm. that actually reflects uh, a restriction that's common to other businesses. And so it's hard to fight that. So I would say if you feel like there is something that's unfair, legally advocate. Uh, in Chicago, it's, it, there couldn't be tougher political ground than there is in Chicago. And uh, we, saw, we saw a big win. Now, because we have total freedom, it's our job to be responsible. And I don't know of any churches who are saying, oh, good, now we're going to be reckless. We still, right. <laughs> the big three words, you know, we want to be safe. We want to be wise, and we want to be lawful. And churches are great at caring for people. Uh, I got into social media just adds a new dimension to this problem, doesn't it? But when, um, when the governor announced that restrictions are lifted for churches, I had people on Facebook immediately pounce on me like, how could churches do this to the state? This is so unsafe. And so I had to be gracious in my response. But one of the things I wrote was, churches are great at caring for people. Mm -hmm. We really are. And this was not an expression of our desire to be reckless or to put the people who we love in harm's way. So I would just say, I keep coming back with my elders to, look, we want to be safe. We want to be wise and we want to be lawful. That's going to affect our pace. That's going to affect our protections. So I just keep coming back to those three words.
0: That's good. I'm going to ask, uh, we're going to pivot just a bit and I'm going to ask each of you to put on your prognosticator hat. Um, this is not to put you on the spot, but I know you've been thinking about probably been working toward these, uh, Rob, what do you see? What are some of the changes and or challenges that you see for churches over the next, let's just say three years, two years, uh, if, The pandemic doesn't come back with a vengeance in the fall or next year, as some are concerned that it will, or a vaccine is developed that's effective, or something like that. What are some of the changes that you see coming
1: out? Yeah, I'm going to lump those together and maybe even lean more towards the challenges part. And I uh, spoke to our church this weekend, this this past weekend, the end of May was our kind of first uh, reopening um, on a a very limited basis. But um, I think. Uh, one of the challenges we're facing or or at least a concern that I have is that the peripheral people in our churches are going to get even more peripheral and they're going to stay home. Uh, Or another way to say that would be they're going to value convenience over obedience, the convenience of staying home and watching online or not watching online. And we've heard statistics on that. That's uh, a, a bit concerning already. Um, and, and, and instead of following in obedience and assembling together and gathering together in temple courts in addition to house to house. And so I'm a bit concerned about uh, that. I'm, I'm also a bit concerned about um, the, the fear factor. I have been very surprised by the level of fear among the people of God when it comes to all of this. Uh, one thing that maybe would illustrate that, uh, in our reopening, we planned on three services and, uh, it ended up, we, we kind of form fitted our worship center. We seated people at certain places to, to make sure we had social distance, minimize the aerosol cloud, all of that sort of stuff, uh, sanitizing in between fogging. I mean, you name it, we, we, we did it, but, um, we ended up with about 25%, um, Uh, capacity in our worship center, and we anticipated that there would be a rush for tickets. We said, you you just need to get a ticket uh, in order to be here. Mm -hmm. And um, I would say of the capacity that we had, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, um, about 60% of our tickets uh, were reserved. So we still had 40% of our seating across those three services available. And of the 60% that were reserved. Uh, only 87% of those people actually showed up. Um, So we found that though there is a verbal desire like, oh yeah, we want to get back to church, we want to get back to church. Um, uh, Fear, I think, is getting the best of people. So that is a challenge I think that is going to continue to plague us as time goes by. Uh, And I think that all churches are going to have to make sure that they have an online, a good online presence, in addition to a live presence, uh, as the as the year and and the months go by. So it
0: sounds like we're uh, the for now the or beginning now the recommendation is going to be more than just make sure you have a good website. It's going to be make sure you have a good live stream for your morning services.
1: Say that one more time, Marty. I'm sorry.
0: All right, I think Rob's still talking, but I don't have him.
1: I I have you now, Marty, but I just missed okay. that last 10 seconds. I apologize.
0: No, that's fine. I, uh, I'll, I'll re-ask the question. Um, it sounds kind of like, where as we used to tell churches, make sure you have a good website that people can visit. Uh, it's almost like what we're going to be telling them now, make sure you have a good live stream people can watch before they come to your church.
1: Yeah, and I think that the last several months have you know taking care of that for most churches that they had to have an online presence or they didn't have a presence at all so that's a good thing but uh, figuring out how to uh, pull those people in how to incorporate them how to reach them better than just a, a peripheral online week in and week out uh, type of situation that's going to be challenging i think ryan what do you see
2: as I look to the future, I, I see from a spiritual perspective, from a discipleship perspective, a lot of heart issues that we're going to have to deal with head on. Uh, there, there is a lot of fear, tons and tons and tons of fear. Um, for some people, it's warranted. It's their way of being careful. Uh, it could be someone whose father is getting chemo and so he he doesn't want to be the one to give his dad COVID you know mm-hmm. um, it, it could be a person who has a, a child with pre-existing conditions lung conditions and they're they're terrified yeah. uh, we have a woman in our church who has had both lungs replaced a double lung transplant wow. so her doctors called her and said stay home and mm-hmm. uh, that's the prognosis for the time being so for some people the fear of the disease is is very valid Uh, I think there's a lot of anger. There already was a lot of anger in Illinois, especially toward the government. And now with what's happening in Chicago uh, with the protests and the riots recently, that's only made the problems worse. Uh, I think there's going to be a problem with sloth and apathy. I think uh, people want to escape reality. I want to escape reality. There's just some (laughs) days that I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm battling sloth and apathy. Uh, And I have three teenage children, and some days they have better days than me. So uh, I think sloth and apathy is a big one. I think folly is a big one, too. Some people are just going to get reckless, and they're going to be inconsiderate of other people and say, I'm done with this, and they'll make foolish choices that put other people at risk. So I'm, as a pastor, I'm, I'm concerned with the heart issues. And I'm trying to, my wife and I had a great conversation about how We just have to get used to the next several months being filled with surprising conversations where people have surprising convictions and feelings, and they want to talk with us about it for a very long time because they haven't seen anybody. So we're getting ready for very long, winding, confusing conversations with people who are struggling. And my goal is going to be by the end of this conversation with this person, I don't want to damage them. I don't want to dismiss them. I want them to feel like they were heard, they were loved, and we just took some steps forward together. I think that's kind of be, going to be the key for the next year and a half is just to take a few steps forward together.
0: <laughs> that's all. I mean, that's, you know, that's pastoral leadership. It's parenting leadership. It's Paul saying uh, we loved you like a nursing mother loves her child. And, and sometimes that's uh, that's the kind of leadership that it takes.
1: Marty, if I could jump back in, uh, uh, on a couple more things. Um, I, I mentioned some of our statistics and and, and responses. Uh, just as a, a way, I, I wish that there had been kind of a a norm that I could have leaned on or or managed my own expectations for a reopening. I, I might say too that the reopening has been um, far 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 great uh, more difficult than the than the shutting down, um, and I don't think anybody would disagree with that. But I, the number of people who um, reserved a ticket to come to our first uh, services, a first reopening weekend, uh, was about 25%, 20 to 25%. It was far lower than what I thought would be the response. Hmm. And then, of course, as I mentioned, um, not even all of those uh, showed up. Uh, One of the things that I um, uh, am intent on how should I say fighting, as uh, the weeks and months of this go by, is that we don't waste this. Mm. Um, God doesn't waste uh, uh, situations like this, chaotic situations, difficult situations. Uh, The people of God throughout the centuries have not wasted them. We ought not to waste them. Uh, I I am going to continue to encourage our people, like, don't forget the things that you've learned. Um, don't don't take church for granted. Like, write it on your heart right now as to how you feel and how you want to get back to church and so on, and how you feel in church if it's your first weekend. And and you know, fight that complacency of normal that happens uh, usually uh, within a short time after uh, difficult situations that we go through as a culture. So those are some of the things that uh, I'm uh, concerned about, and that I want to try to lean into.
0: Well, Robin Ryan, thanks so much for uh, agreeing to be on Relaunch today and for your wisdom, and uh, God's grace and peace to both of you.
2: Thanks, Marty. Thanks, Marty. Thank you for listening to Relaunch, the
0: GCC podcast. Be sure to subscribe in the podcast app of your choice, and if you have a moment, rate and review at your app and recommend to your friends. If you haven't visited our website, it's gccollective.org. You can find us on Twitter at the GC Collective, Instagram at Great Commission Collective, and you can easily find our Facebook page by searching there. Until next episode, on behalf of Dave Harvey and the entire GCC team, I'm Marty Durant.